happy Friday. And welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I am Omar Moore. It is Friday, March the 20th, 2020. And I just want to start off by saying happy birthday, Spike Lee. The film director, filmmaker, producer, of course, writer, sometimes actor. He's done it all, pretty much, and he's won an Oscar as well. So, happy birthday to you, Spike Lee. I think the rest of this (laughs) audio cast is probably all downhill from there because, (laughs) oh, dearie me, I just can't think of a more ridiculous Thursday for news. And I use that word ridiculous probably in its wrong context because there's so many things that I could talk about from what happened yesterday. I could talk about all those things. I could talk about the stay-at-home statewide declaration order that was announced on Thursday night by California Governor Gavin Newsom, which means that here in San Francisco, we have to stay at home. And if we do go out, we have to practice social distancing and we have to make sure that we are at least six feet apart as part of that. And we have to make sure that if we're walking, we're not walking um, with anybody, preferably by ourselves, unless we are six feet apart. And we have to make sure that we're only going out for essential reasons, including grocery shopping. I could talk about Gavin Newsom also talking about the fact that according to studies and projections that he and his office have received or diagrammed out some 23 or more million Californians could come down with the coronavirus between now and, I guess, May 20th. And that's actually around 56% of the entire state's population. So California... Residents, more than one out of every two of you may come down with the coronavirus, may be infected with that virus between now and May 20th. So that's why this order was promulgated, put into place by the governor. And the bad news is, of course, well, if that wasn't bad news enough, the bad news is that in some parts of California, including here in San Francisco, people aren't being so socially distant from each other, shall we say. Let's hope that that changes. I could talk about that horrendous press conference that the guy in the White House held On Thursday, I certainly could do that. And that was one heck of a train wreck, I might add. But I think I'm going to retreat to safe ground. 
And I'm going to talk about Republican senators who are undoubtedly, in my mind, criminal. That's the safe ground that I'm going to retreat to on this Friday. Because, of course, the news yesterday was pretty darn explosive. The Republican Senator Richard Burr had apparently sold off up to close to $2 million worth of stock in a company, I guess, related to issues of coronavirus, I guess. And he sold this stock just around the time he was telling his constituents and telling people publicly, oh, you know, don't worry, everything's fine, nothing to see here. I guarantee you that I'm on top of this terrible, terrible pandemic. Now, this was back in February. And he didn't use the word pandemic because the World Health Organization at that point had not designated it as such. It was still an epidemic, this coronavirus, even though it had been spreading from country to country to country. And in late February, or mid-February, Richard Burr, who has a very strong position as a chairman of a Senate committee, was assuring everybody that he was going to do everything to curb this virus and not let it get um, any worse than it already had begun to do. And lo and behold, he sold off a boatload of stock, a boatload of it. Knowing the information he had known from the CDC, from the NIH, from the inner circle around the guy in the White House, He relied on information that was coming out of the White House, coming out of these committees, coming out of briefings that he was part of, coming out of the foremost government agencies that were supposed to be tasked with dealing with stopping this horrible virus from wreaking so much havoc. And he used all that information to sell stock and make a hefty profit. And after he sold off, he and I'm sure others, and we're finding out that it was others, helped drive the market down in these stocks. They cashed out. It was cash and theft. It wasn't even cash and carry. And so Senator Burr, Senator James Inhofe, Senator Ron Johnson. And it turns out Senator Loeffler, the newest senator to join the 100 Club, all made out like bandits in similar fashion. Plus, Senator Loeffler had a huge conflict of interest. Her husband is the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. So you had a senator playing two sides against the middle. 
you had another senator on a committee relying on lots of information that it was, look, was at his disposal. But it did not stop him, her, or anybody else of those that I've mentioned from getting off and cashing in. And for Senator Burr, I think we should give him his due. I mean, he cashed out to the tune of around, what, $1.7 million? I mean, hey, a man's got to eat. By the way, the politocrat has a Twitter page. You can follow the politocrat on Twitter at the underscore politocrat. That's at the underscore P-O-L-I-T-I-C-R-A-T. The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I think that it's really dastardly that you have at least four Republican senators doing this. And you've got to consider something about Richard Burr. (laughs) This is what's really crazy, as far as I'm concerned. Richard Burr, only on Wednesday of this week, voted against the $1 trillion coronavirus economic aid package. Richard Burr, actually, let me get this correct because I don't want to get this wrong. I want to make sure that I get this absolutely right. Because it is very important to get this all correct. I mean, I I just don't want to get my information wrong, because that's not really, that's not a good look. You don't want to get the information wrong. You want to get it absolutely right. Senator Burr voted for the coronavirus economic aid relief package. So he did vote for that. Ron Johnson, however, who also cashed out, and this is no scandal. This is an insider trading 
crime because insider trading is a crime. So it was Senator Ron Johnson. And, you know, he's had his hands full. He's a busy man, you know, this uh, senator out of Wisconsin who's not running again. You know, he's busy because he's busy involved in Ukraine and criminality there, you know. He's busy involved in uh, voting to acquit a criminal in the White House. You know, this guy, come on, you know, you've got to put a do not disturb sign in uh, on his office door, you know. Do not disturb signs uh, in the uh, lobby area for the lobbyists, you know. Uh, do not disturb us in here. We've got business to take care of, you know. It's, um, come on, you know. Didn't you see the sign over here? You're not even supposed to knock on this door. Because we're busy buying this constituency and that constituency and this person and that person. So you can't even knock. You have to wait till we are done. You have to wait until we are done. Slicing and dicing and carving up what is rightfully ours. You folks are just unwashed masses. And we can cash and carry. We can acquit a criminal in a sham trial. And we can also, at the same time as we're acquitting a criminal at a sham trial, around that same time, we can commit crimes some more. We can commit more crimes. We can actually sell stock in a company that we know a lot about because there's information about the industry and that company that we know a, a lot about because we're privy to it. We're investigating. We are trying to look at this pandemic thing here. And we are definitely going to do our best to take care of the American public that we serve. But there's a little asterisk because that asterisk means only after we have robbed them blind and have committed some additional crimes by trading stock with information that is not publicly available. That's what insider trading is. And imagine a, imagine a senator like Ron Johnson, for example, who apparently also made out like a bandit. A Republican senator who is not running again for office. And a Republican senator who on Wednesday, Ron Johnson on Wednesday, he was the one who voted against a $1 trillion coronavirus economic aid relief package. That Ron Johnson. The same one who cashed out to the tune of lots and lots of money. Millions of dollars, perhaps. The same one who was involved in Ukraine. And yeah, he kind of knew about some stuff that was going on there. And 
the White House and he maybe had some little contact here and there and blah, 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 blah. You know, just little innocent stuff like that. Yeah, that's about the size of it. And James Inhofe, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that Senator too is in over his head. There's some kind of scandal going on there with him. I don't know how he's still a senator, quite frankly. He is anything but clean. It makes you wonder, I guess, how on earth he is still able to parade around and prostrate himself all over the Senate floor with his antics when he is, in my estimation, a criminal. He's hardly alone, though. And then when you've got Senator Loeffler, who has just come in and plying her trade just a few months in, and now all of a sudden, come to find out she is also engaging in what is a crime for everybody else who is not a U.S. senator or a House member. You know, there was an act called the Stock Act not too long ago, and that Stock Act imposed, I think it was, stiff penalties on uh, congressional politicians, House and Senate, who would get a jump on the rest of the country and sell or buy stock with information known to it that was not publicly available and cash out and make a fortune. You know, the Stock Act was designed to kind of just get a handle on that, shall we say. But all of a sudden, just a few years after, the restrictions on the Stock Act, the restrictions of the Stock Act were loosened dramatically so that you could get the kind of conduct that is now being reported by ProPublica and being reported by other publications, including The Daily Beast, CNBC, and others. You know... It's really something. James Inhofe also voted against that coronavirus economic aid relief bill on Wednesday. And isn't that interesting that he and Ron Johnson would vote against a bill like that aimed at protecting the everyday person including many of the constituents in their states. But at the same time, would have no problem at all screwing over the American public by having access to information that was not publicly available and then trading in reliance on it while also telling the American public, don't worry, we are going to do everything we can to stem the tide against this 
deadly virus that's laying waste to my fellow Americans. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of irony in there somewhere. Inhofe, Loeffler, Johnson, and Burr. I say they all must resign, and they must resign now. Each one of them. And there should be and must be a House investigation. There should be and must be, well, a Senate investigation. Good luck with that happening. But there should be one. What happened? What happened to those times in the 60s and 70s? And even before then, when there would be investigations like this done by members of the same party if they were in charge and in power. That would never happen now. We've already seen that many times over the last few years. But that doesn't vitiate the point that I'm making, which is that they should all resign immediately and they should all be facing serious charges. I mean, look. Look at the look at the little people like Martha Stewart. I mean, she's a she's one of the little people. I mean, she doesn't make very much money, does she? She doesn't make any money. I mean, she's not very famous. She's just an average person. But, you know, Martha Stewart is the average person ended up going to prison for what was it? Six months, 12 months, 18 months for doing hardly anything close to what the big gals and big uh, boys were doing or allegedly doing. It wasn't even alleged. I mean, it's been reported. Double standards. Because little people like Martha Stewart get all this jail time. And Martha Stewart's not famous. Nah, she's not famous at all. But she's a little person, right? Compared to these powerful senators. She's kind of a small fry. And they punished her. Six, 12, 18 months, maybe even more. I don't remember. But I do remember when she went to prison. I think she even wrote a column from prison. And I forget, this is back in the early 2000s or late 1990s. I forget which. I think it was the early 2000s. Somewhere around there. It was quite a story back then. Quite the story indeed. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? It's just amazing when you think about it. And to think that Burr, Loeffler, Johnson, and Inhofe will probably not see a single second of prison time. By the way, the politocrat has a Twitter page. You can follow the politocrat on Twitter at the underscore politocrat. 
That's at the underscore P-O-L-I-T-I-C-R-A-T. Welcome back to the audio cast. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens with these four Republican senators. But I've got a solution that I think that we should be looking at for this coming November's election, which will be a huge one. I recommend that everybody who is participating in it, and I hope that you are, that you are voting, if you are eligible to vote. I hope you registered to vote. I hope you have. I hope you will do so for the general election on November the 3rd of this year, November 3rd, 2020. And I hope that you vote up and down ballot, not just at the top for president, but also for all the other races, including the ones in your very neighborhood, local, city, state, everything. That's how you have to do it. But since we are fed up of criminality, which is done overwhelmingly by the Republican Senate and other Republican politicians, including the one in the White House, well, let's kind of focus our energy on the Senate for a minute, because I think that we have spent far too much time focusing on the presidential race. And to an extent, I kind of think that I myself am a little bit guilty as charged on this. But I think the reality is that there is a big, if not bigger, picture. And that is the United States Senate. You know, I would argue that Mitch McConnell has caused as much, if not more damage to this country than Donald Trump has. Mitch McConnell has flouted his constitutional responsibilities and obligations and, in fact, his constitutional oath. And he's been doing so for quite some time now. Most notably and infamously with his refusal to give President Obama's Supreme Court pick, Merrick Garland, so much as a single hearing on Capitol Hill, which the... United States Constitution actually mandates that Senator Mitch McConnell do. But Mitch McConnell is a criminal. And Mitch McConnell, you know, he has some uh, definite ideas about conflicts of interest himself. You can just go and ask Elaine Chow, who happens to be his wife. Mitch McConnell, however at least for one day, knew where his bread was buttered. He voted for the coronavirus economic aid relief package. And by the way, the the bill did pass. 90 senators voted yes. Eight senators voted no. And I've told you about at least a few of those eight who voted no. Shame on them. And there were two 
senators who did not vote at all. But here's my recommendation. There are at least 20 Republican seats in the Senate that are going to be up for grabs in November. 20 of them, at least. There'll be a few Democrats also whose seats are up for grabs, but the overwhelming majority of the senators who are going to be fighting for the right to hold on to their seat are going to be Republican. And you see, with some senators already not returning Lamar Alexander, already not returning Mike Enzi, already not returning Ron Johnson, maybe I may have missed a few others, but with some Republican senators not returning to the Senate, After January of 2021, that would be next year to you and me. With that piece of information disclosed, I kind of think that it's going to be a rough time for the Republican Senate in November. I think that we cannot afford to vote only for the top of the ticket. We've got to vote all the way down. And that includes Democratic senators. That includes the Democratic House. Because it's very, very clear that as far as the Democratic Senate is concerned, we need to get that Senate back in blue hands, if you will. So that the guy from the bluegrass state has no longer got any control over the Senate. He has decimated the Senate and he's actually decimated the country through his power in the Senate. Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, who has been the majority wrecker of this country, along with Donald Trump. But McConnell had been doing the damage long before Trump did. When he held open Merrick Garland's seat, basically President Obama's pick, Trump was not yet in office. He was still campaigning. And all Mitch McConnell said back then was, well, you know, uh, we're going to have to wait till after the election to deal with this. And of course, the election came and went. And, you know, I always felt that Mitch McConnell had to have known that the election would turn out the way it did. It would have been a massive political gamble otherwise. And even... Politicians don't gamble that big. Well, maybe Mitch McConnell does because he was seen posing in front of a Confederate battle flag back in the 90s or 80s, receiving some kind of Confederacy award or something. So maybe he doesn't mind taking risks because he has done it before. But I sit here and wonder on this Friday... If the American public will do what I'm hoping it will do, and I don't have any doubt that there will be a Democratic president. I really want people to, though, to focus. I really want them to focus on the equally big picture, which is going to be the United States Senate. And like I said, I just want to repeat this. If the Democratic Senate And I don't know if I said it, but I will say it now. If the Democrats win 
a net gain of four Senate seats, they will control the United States Senate. And that would be a really good thing. So it is up to you, dear listener, if you are listening and you are able to vote in these elections coming up this coming November. It is up to you, dear listener, to get out there and campaign and support Democratic Senate candidates. I can name a number of them off the top of my head. Jamie Harrison down in South Carolina. He's taking on Lindsey Graham. Erica Smith, the state senator in North Carolina. She's taking on Tom Tillis. Mark Kelly out in Arizona. He's taking on Martha McSally. And I can go on and I can go on and I can go on. In Colorado, a very key race. Cory Garner, the incumbent Republican, taking on John Hickenlooper. Gosh, it seemed like, what, maybe now it feels like three years ago that George Hickenlooper was actually a presidential candidate. It's incredible, but true. He actually was on that stage a whole summer ago in 2019 before he would end up dropping out, I think in October or or so of that same year. I forget when. But my goodness, has time flown by. Hickenlooper is taking on Cory Gardner. And there are other states throughout the country where there are some really key Senate races. Amy McGrath, the fighter pilot, military, decorated military hero. She is taking on Mitch McConnell. And I certainly hope that she unseats him. There are a number of other key races and it will take our commitment. It will take donations. It will take voting and organizing to get the Democrats back in control of the Senate. That is the jewel in the crown. And while Mitch McConnell is running around telling old Republican male judges in particular to quit, resign, resign, resign. So that we can get some fresh young blood in here. So that we can hold down these judgeships in perpetuity. While Mitch McConnell runs around doing that. Maybe that's why we didn't see Mitch over the weekend when Nancy Pelosi and the House were passing a rather weak, quite frankly, bill. That was going to aid workers who were working in companies in the service sector, at least, that were under 100 employees. By the way, most of the service sector employees work in employee employment centers, employment places rather in businesses that are at least 5,000 employees or more. So that bill didn't really help very many people at all. So you had that, you know, you had you had that. And Mitch McConnell waited until Wednesday to bring this bill up and. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the bill that was agreed to from the House was weak. It was a weak bill because the Republicans, of course, as they do so well, is bully and threaten and control and cajole and control and 
fear monger and, and all that kind of stuff. And Nancy Pelosi basically said, okay. And that was all she wrote. Well, I mean, maybe that's a little unfair, but maybe that's not so unfair. Maybe that's kind of how it always goes, where Democrats seem to be very much at home in kowtowing to Republicans, compromising on Republican terms, which is what I think a number of Democrats do oh so very well. But forgive my cynicism and irony and sarcasm and all of that and an attempt at satire to boot. Maybe it's just because I'm feeling a little some way on this Friday. Maybe it's because I'm kind of a little bit not too happy at some of the BS that has gone down here in the United States over the last 24 hours. You know, stuff like not having adequate masks, surgical masks, having to use bandanas for face masks in the United States of America, the richest country on the planet. Maybe I'm kind of feeling a certain way about things like that. Especially when the guy in the White House refused to take any masks or test kits from the World Health Organization whose tests were 100% positive proof, accurate. Because he wanted his buddies who inflated his own coffers for his campaign, he wanted them to be paid handsomely in stock. And I looked at one of the stocks of the companies and, yep, it went up today, this past, well, today, I mean, today, I'm sure it is up today, but it was definitely up on Thursday. For sure. It's so nakedly obvious. So nakedly obvious. What is going on. And that that horrendous press conference. I'll say one thing about it. It was a clown show. It was a game show. And this guy does not need to be at these press conferences. In this social distancing thing he criticizes the press for. And of course he's standing, as I say, you know, close to people, closer to the people around him on that podium than the people he's castigating seated away from him are from each other. That was a terrible press conference yesterday. That was really bad. Basically a dictator saying, get rid of the press, I want them out. And he said words to that effect during the press conference. It was... Horrible. It was all about him. What else is new? And nothing about the American public. But the American public will be heard from this November 3rd. I think that they are going to do the right thing. I'm confident that they will. Not just in Pennsylvania Avenue, but throughout the country. It's going to be a major sweep, I think. A fumigation of a criminal party. The Republicans who do nothing but lie, cheat, and steal. I think it's become beyond obvious now. And with what's going to probably be a freaking depression, I think it's better that we make sure that we get these criminals out of the landscape quickly. 
Capitol Hill does not deserve to have, well, Capitol Hill should not have these criminals running around in it. So you know what to do. Get out there and vote, people. Get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. I'm going to remind you of this again. Maybe when I'm in a bit more of a sanguine mood, I will remind you again that voting is very important. And I will remind you again when the time gets a little closer that all the Democrats have to do to control the Senate and get rid of Mitch McConnell out of the majority seat is to simply get a net gain on election night of four Senate seats, not 10 Not 14, but four. And if the Democrats are able to do that, I think they will control the Senate for a generation. Mitch McConnell will probably resign. Well, he certainly wouldn't be majority leader anymore. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. The night is young. And as they say, a week in politics is a lifetime. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Omar Moore. And this has been Friday, March 20th, 2020 edition of The Politocrat. By the way, The Politocrat has a Twitter page. You can follow the Politocrat on Twitter at the underscore Politocrat. That's at the underscore P O L I T I C R A T.